When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. It's a landmark episode. It's episode 20 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast, and we've another packed lineup for you. Uh, we're joined by Liam Regan Guimarães and Dale McCarthy from the Fridays I'm in Love, uh, Fridays I'm in Live podcast. Uh, they join us to look ahead to the game against Shamrock Rovers and give us the lowdown on their own podcast. We're joined by Son of Sligo and go to Irish football punt and Alan Cawley. Uh, he'll talk to us about his career in football, his career in broadcasting, and we'll get his thoughts ahead of the game against Shams on Saturday. Uh, we'll look back on the win in Longford with your shouts from the shout end. And we're also giving away a case of the White Hag's new Colch style beer. We're sponsored by the White Hag Brewing Company, our new sponsors, and we're delighted to have them on board. But with Rovers top league uh, going into a hugely important league game at the weekend, there's only one story to get stuck into, and that is Rovers CEO Colin Feely winning a car in the Finn Harps draw. Sean, what are your thoughts? We're joined by Sean Dunn. Sean, what are your, what, I mean, what a story. It's unbelievable. It's rare we go up to uh, Finn Park and come out with a result. So <laughs> that's a big one. Uh, Magoo, or, I mean, does the club give this, do we just have another draw for, for Slag Rovers and give the, the, the car away? Or what do we do here? That'll be the obvious one, really, for <laughs> proper shithousery. But if he doesn't, if, if he doesn't go full, if he doesn't go full John Terry on us and turn up in the full case, jersey, Shorts, socks pulled up to the knees, hat, scarf, and I'd be awfully disappointed in him. And then sla- when the minute he gets the car, roll all the rover stickers and uh, <laughs> an outdoor. Well, Jerry, what, what happened here? Uh, it has to be done for you. I know I know Phil listens to this too, so well, you know what, I'm disappointed now, Phil. I think he's only changed his car recently, now he's got two cars. But Jerry, what, what happened here? He yeah, yeah. the club CEO, uh, Colin Feely, entered the Finn Harps was like the annual draw. Yeah, so it was like the their equivalent to the annual draw, and they had uh, two cars and a thousand euro uh, cash prize. But uh, I'm actually so sad. I actually watched the the, the live stream of the draw. New <laughs> levels <laughs> on Sunday evening, and, and Colin didn't. Man, this, lockdown, this lockdown, Jerry. Jeez. Lockdown's killing you, Jerry. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I nearly fell off. Got a telly. His name came out. It was like it was mad. Uh, so I text him and uh, I think he was out for a walk, so he didn't even know. But uh, yeah, Jesus. And the MC, you know, we pull out the tickets, and uh, you just knew that they were they were they weren't happy that a uh, slight old person won the. Won, uh, I just of- I, I just I just a rubber stamp it. Clive was saying too that it was Seymour that pulled out uh, Phil's name, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's just class, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> we'll have to give him a few quid. Secret secret agent. So, yeah, undercover. <laughs> it's episode 20 of the Bitter Red Supporters uh, podcast. We're uh, sponsored by the White Hag. As I said, we're giving away a crate of their new brew. So uh, it's the usual crew. We're coming to you from uh, Zoom. Uh, Sean, how are you? Oh, good, Connor. How's things? Not so bad. Uh, Goo, how are things? Good, yeah, Connor. Boys, good to be here. Uh, and Jerry, you're just fresh in from um, the Everton FC uh, and Sligo Rovers hookup on. Um, on the internet as well. You said to me, you said to us before we started recording, there's 
500 people on the call. Yeah, there was um, a limit of 500 that uh, could uh, get onto it. So, and as far as I know, it was full up. So it's kind of like 50% Everton fans and 50% Rovers fans. Okay, and this is all part of the, the connection between Everton and Sligo Rovers and developing uh, that connection. So um, really quickly, what, so who, who was there from Everton and what, what was going on or what happened? Yeah, so... Um, the it was invite-only, so I guess for people who couldn't make it, it was invite-only, yeah? It was, yeah, it was, it was uh, invite-only. It was mainly uh, towards kind of Everton fans, really. Um, uh, that's how I got to know through, actually through an Everton supporters club who sent it to me. But um, yeah, look, it was really, really well presented. Um, it was like kind of like Sky Sports kind of style with a guy up on the stage and all big screens of all the fans, interactive. Um, and then there was lots of interviews, obviously, with Seamus Coleman. There was interviews with Kevin 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 Greg Bulger was on representing Rovers. Uh, he talk, he spoke really really well. Um, the princesses were on. There was there was loads. It was really all action. Really an hour filled. Uh, it was really really good. Okay, cool. Okay, so let's turn our attention to um, events in Longford last weekend. Um, we're gonna get a real quick. Uh, synopsis from each of the lads and then we're going to go into shouts in the shed end but um sean what were your what are your top thoughts coming out of the game our fall victory very very scrappy affair and um, i thought we were value for it though i thought we were the better side overall uh, it wasn't a pretty game obviously to watch but um, i was impressed with actually team selection which was a bit of a a talking point at the start I felt actually looking back on the game that Buckley got it spot on by bringing David Cawley in for Figueroa, especially at the start, because I think we alluded to it last week that we haven't started the best in the last couple of games. First 30 minutes has taken us a while to settle into into games, so it would have been an issue against Longford, especially with their intensity and pressure. So bringing Cawley in helped absorb all that and got us a little bit more control in the midfield, and I think that was the, the starting point for us to go on and win the game. Uh, Magoo, we're going to talk about this after we hear the shouts and the shed in, but I think the pitch played a major, major factor, played a major role in, in the game, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was terrible. It was terrible. I've heard on uh, other various pods and interviews and stuff uh, in the last couple of days, people saying the pitch was in great nick, but it was anybody who knows anything about football and watched that game will know that that pitch was dry, bobbly, and it's also been narrowed as well. And it, uh, like you can't blame Longford. It's it's um it's to suit them, and uh, it will it will suit them. They're 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 very high intensity and very uh up for the dog fight, and they want to bring it into a battle. And the, the narrow pitch and it being bobbly like that helps them as well. Uh, yeah, you can't do. There's no quick one twos and uh, a couple of one touch passes. Everybody has to take an extra touch, and that gives them time to get into your face and. Uh, get around you. So, in fairness to their manager, Dar Doyle, I like him. He's uh, he's done a good job with them. La- even last year, getting them up to the playoffs, the hardest way up out of that division. And he's in, like, I think uh, he's doing a great job with them. And uh, our them three points are going to be big three points at the end of the season. I say because there's not many teams are going to come out of there with three points. And I good luck to any team that goes a goal down down there. Yeah. I'd say that. They'll have their work cut out to get that back. Uh, Jerry, did they drag us down to their level, or um, should we be a little bit worried about the Rovers' performance? No, I wouldn't be at all worried about it, uh, Connor. To be honest, um, 
I think um, just a couple of criticisms of maybe Liam in the past was that we didn't, in games gone by, we didn't have a plan B where we could um, maybe grind out a result like that. Um, you know, he, he said it himself in the interviews that we, we did go along at times, which isn't normally our style. But I think when uh, he obviously seen the pitch, we did switch to, to plan B and look, we made it work for us uh, in the end and we got the three points. Um, just another thing as well, uh, like that, just another thing that we might have been critical of Liam in the past, everybody included, might have, were substitutions. But I think he got the, um, the substitution spot on again this yeah. week at, at the right time. Um, I know, I think it was on 65 minutes. Um, uh, Cawley came off, Romeo went into the middle uh, in the number 10 position. And Mark Byrne went on to the, the left. So, like normally, 65 minutes, we're winning a game. We'd be looking for Liam to maybe make a change. In fairness, he's done it again this week. And it was a positive one. Um, and in fairness, again, just alluding to other podcasts where they said that Longford were the dominant team in the second half. I think if you go back on the, the balance of chances, um, we had some great chances in the second half to, to add to it. it. Look, it just didn't happen, but... Yeah. Okay, listen, we, we'll focus on, um, we'll go to the game in greater detail after our shouts in the shout end, um, our regular feature uh, where you can get your voice heard on a podcast. After every Slugger Rovers game, we ask you to submit your, uh, your shouts. You just state your name and you give us your thoughts on the game for about 30 seconds. You can record it in a voice note on your phone and email it to podcast at borst.ie. And Brenda Cairns did that after the Longford game and she's first up uh, on our Shouts in the Shed End this week. Good Friday turned into a great Friday for Rovers away to Longford. Wasn't the best of football, a bit scrappy at times, but we left Bishop's Gate with all three points. Longford never make it easy for us and proved it yet again Friday. Great to see De Vries off the bench. Like to see him click with Romeo and start firing the goals in. We have a very strong team this season. Happy for us to go out and win our own games and not looking at other team results to suit us. Seven points from nine. Yeah, I'll take that. Bring on Shams. Only one Rovers red and white. Come on the real Rovers. Hi, this is Bart from Carney. Not the best performance against Longford on Friday. I think it was a scrappy game. Uh, we didn't play well up front. We didn't create many chances. Now, defensively, I think we were good. Uh, we managed to keep a clean sheet first time this season, which is great to see. Uh, man of the match for me, Gary Buckley. Uh, all the hard work he did at the back and also obviously for the goal he scored. Um, Listen, no reason to complain. We didn't play well, we didn't play good football, but yet we managed to, to win the game and, 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 and bring the three points from Longford. So it's great to see. Uh, plenty to improve, and I'm sure Lim Buckley and management, they know how to improve it. Um, great start of the season, the best in eight years. So things are uh, looking good, and I think we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction. And uh, look, look, looking forward to the game against Shamrock on, on, on Saturday. Andrew Dodd here. I thought we were average. We done nothing special. We grounded out three points. Positives were a clean sheet from Ed McGinty. The back four are solid. Didn't look in danger at all during the game. I I was very critical of Walter the first two games. I 
think he was missing last night. The link between the midfield and the attack wasn't there. David Cawley was out of position for me personally. Johnny Kenny was isolated. Jordan Gibson, two or three men on him all night, wasn't given an inch. Romeo was lost in the wing. Maybe you could bring Romeo into that number 10 role and when Ryan DeVries is fit, bring Ryan DeVries in. I thought Longford played to their strengths, which was a high press, and also the narrow, poor pitch played into their hands also. But all in all, it's great to wake up on a Saturday morning, top of the league, and hopefully stay there. Dylan Henry, uh, I think on Friday night we were very lucky to get the win in the end. Um, it was a well-taken goal by Gary Buckley, which was nice to get. Uh, I predicted Longford to go down, but they're doing actually very well against teams. and It's probably their pitch helping as well, because it's absolutely cat. Um, I think Colin Horgan played really well. Uh, actually, the whole back line played well, and that's probably why we got out of there with the a victory and if they can keep gelling like that keep uh, holding strong together we should get a, a lot more victories this season uh, when the front line kicks into gear um, hopefully starting this Saturday night against as you, we all call the scum Alan Cairns here with a shout from the shed back to back wins on top of the table at Easter things are looking good even though we're not playing near potential there was flash out of the game but it's an awful lot of work to do and there's a lot harder games to come starting with Shamrocks this weekend. And the game itself, I expect Longford what the lack in talent to make up an endeavour and they let teams punch themselves out and come at them hard in the last 20 minutes, which they did against us. And John Mahan stood up to everything to chew with him, so for that reason, I give him man of the match. Quick word on young Johnny Kenny, played a tough role up front on his own, took a lot of hard tackles. The strikers were too far apart, in my opinion. Um, if you could someone get closer to him, I could see a lot more from, from young Johnny, but he done really well on his own. And a quick word on Romeo. Bit of rumbling about how he's playing at the moment. Poor first touch and stuff like that. But he's about 50% behind the lads in games in some pre-season. He's two goals and an assist in three. So he'll come good as well. So roll on Shams this weekend. Things are looking well. Kick you already. Overall, I thought the performance was down again on last week from the Waterford game. But I think a major factor in that has to be um, the way Longford set up a tree tight in the middle. The pitch was terrible. And the pitch was, I'd say, pulled in a few yards too. Um, I thought the four lads at the back played very well together and it was good to see Gary get on the score sheet. I think if you look, probably last year or the year before, we definitely would have lost those three points, not gaining three points and playing that badly. So hopefully, um, big improvements for Saturday and we'll beat the scum and take three points off them. That's Shouts from the Shed End. You can get your Shouts from the Shed End and in after the Shams game. Just email your voice notes to podcast at borst.ie. So I think, um, you know, when we spoke to Gary Buckley last week on the podcast, he said, you know, he anticipates he's going to go down to Longford. They've always got a lovely pitch down there. And in everybody's heads, and I think we said it as well um, before we hit record uh, this evening, Adrian Eames said it in the, in the commentary before kickoff, a lovely pitch down here in Longford. My God, it was it was anything but a lovely pitch, Magoo. It was cat, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was horrible. We just we just lose already, but it's it's like you can't you can't play football in that. And like in the after in the in the after game show, um, when we first started, I'd have to hold my hands up. Me and me and Sean probably Jerry was right. He was saying we were a bit overcritical. And then when you hear Liam's interview afterwards and they realise in the warm up how just how bad a condition the pitch was in and. Uh, 
but we did change tactics and it was the right thing to do obviously because you don't want to be play, trying to play football especially around your own box and so that's what they want they wanted to play football there and get in on top of you so it was 100% the right thing to do and we got three points out of it and I think in the second half too like we were fairly comfortable we weren't we didn't play well which is a great sign we didn't play well but yet we were comfortable at the back yeah I, I, Sean I, th- I do think there was times when I was a little bit worried they they did um, Longford did work the ball to the edge of our box in the, on occasion or two and got a couple of shots off uh, probably didn't hit the target but um, you know we're we're commending um, Darren Doyle. He, he's putting a reasonable team together there, although they mightn't challenge. But they they did still they challenged us at times. They asked questions of us at times. Yeah, I know they did, and it was through their high price and intensity. I think he's putting together a system that's working for them, and it's going to be a hard system to break down, especially when they're at home. Away from home, I think, as the season goes on, you you will see teams dismantle them quite easily, I think, as teams get into better f- strides of form, even ourselves included. I think they'll be they'll be easier picked off. But at home, I think they're gonna be a they're gonna be a tough cookie. So they are they'll, they remind me a wee bit of uh, harps in Finn Park, Bally Buffet. That's the kind of yeah. the kind of dogged style they'll give you. They have a couple of good technical players as well and a couple of good young lads coming through. I don't want to be overly disrespectful to them in any way. But uh, no, I think, look, they're, they're not the worst outfit. I was, I was overly critical of them at the start of the season saying they're, they're basically going to be whipping boys. That's not going to be the issue this season for them. Uh, what about the, um, the starting 11? Uh, Figueroa went to the pinch and, um, well, I mean, going into the game, I felt that he, they sh- he should have maintained um, uh, Walter Figueroa in the starting 11. What were your thoughts on that? I was of the same opinion. Yeah, I thought Walter would have started, but looking back on it now, I think I just, as I said earlier on, I think Liam got it spot on with the selection. I think Cawley helped coming in and dropping into the middle of the park to just nullify them a little bit, just kind of kill their press and give the Morhen and Bulger that wee bit of extra support in the middle. I thought it helped us. It maybe slowed us down a wee bit on the ball, though. I just don't think we were as quick. That again, you could come back to the pitch on that, just didn't help our style of play. But um, I thought team selection was was pretty much bang on. But I thought Jerry made an excellent point there earlier on in regards to substitutions and Liam making them at the right times. And I thought actually when Walter was introduced into the game, was at a really crucial time in the game where they were getting a little bit on top of us and we were just retreating a little bit. Whereas when Walter came on, he actually got his foot in the ball, got us to regroup again and just a couple of easy wee passes here and there and just slowed the game down again in our favour. And let us give us a bit of breathing space, uh, Jerry. You know, two goals from Romeo at this stage, but I kind of get the feeling that he he's he's not kind of firing on full cylinders or on all cylinders yet. Yeah, I think he's only getting warmed up. He looks a bit rusty. His touch is a bit off the pace. Um, but it, you know, I think one thing that I like about Romeo, um, and sometimes you could kind of like by his demeanor, you could nearly kind of question his his. Uh, his attitude, but in fairness to him, his attitude uh, has been 100%. Um, and I think it was epitomised by that tackle he put in in the wow. second half we got out. <laughs> what a tackle. What a fantastic tackle. Unbelievable. He must have ran 30 yards and he absolutely won the ball 100%. 
Yeah. Fair enough to man, but playing too, but that's his, that's not yeah, But you know, like it, it was a challenge, but that's where the game has gone. Like if you yeah. if yeah. you go in with the velocity where you could potentially injure somebody, yeah. you're gonna get booked, aren't you? It's a, I mean it's a bit shite, but I think you're gonna get booked. But the referee was a joke throughout anyway. He was yeah, uh, Damien, Damien McGrath. Uh, look, what we've we're three games in, um we've had and in fairness to us, we 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 picked it out uh, where McLaughlin had an excellent game. Yeah. Uh, but either side of that, it's been back to League of Ireland normal. Now the thing I'd say about McGrath on on Saturday there was that he was bog standard normal League of Ireland, which is absolutely shy to be honest with you. He didn't do abs- He didn't do anything obscene or crazy. It was yeah. just the usual. Um, so. Just getting back to the performance, Jerry. I mean, the post-game show that um, you now host on YouTube after the games, and you can look out for it after the games again after the game against Shamrock Rovers uh, on Saturday. Um, you get it on the Bitter Red Supporters Trust YouTube channel, where you get uh, Sean McGoo and Jerry uh, possibly joined by other people um, discussing the game. But after the game, the lads were critical, Jerry. But did you see the performance for what it was? It was a plan B for the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think there's. You know, there's not really any negatives, in my opinion, to take from it. Um, like we would, we would have lost that game last season. We wouldn't even we or the season before, we wouldn't even got a point. Um, you know, we've learned, we've evolved, we've got a better squad where we can. You know, like I think we said last week that we would have had a fit eleven, and that would have been the eleven that would have went out. Whereas we were able to change the, the the team and we were able to change the, the pattern of play because of that, i.e. with Frugia going out and David Cawley coming in. So yeah. um, it was, I, I, I got a lot of, I, maybe I'm a bit of a weirdo, probably am, but I got a, a huge amount of uh, joy from that win. Uh, yeah, we didn't play the pretty football, but that's our biggest criticism down through the years where we didn't have a plan B, we kept playing it out from the back, got caught. Like, there's no doubt whatsoever. If we tried to play that ball out from the back, as Sean was saying, it was, they were playing with the high press, they would have kept, they would have raped us. Do you know, we would have got bet by a couple. So for me, it was all positive. Uh, McGill, I mean, what can you say about the goal? Uh, an assist from Romeo uh, for, for, for Buckley. Um, Romeo led Buckley, or Buckley led Romeo down... Uh, in Waterford so um, what can you say about the goal what can you say about it um, not really much to say about it I suppose from Longford point of view to be disappointed with it like or, uh, a team like that will be will live and die nearly on set pieces so they'll be very disappointed with it I'd say especially seeing as it was they didn't clear the first ball in and it's come back across the box again like so they've had two opportunities to clear it and they didn't but from our point of view it's, it's just great to score from a, from a corner yeah, like it's not so, it's not something we're renowned for down through the years. Yeah, it was an excellent delivery in the first place. Was yeah. yeah, his delivery his delivery is great. In fairness, McCord when he gets it right. I know the week four was it week four or the Dundalk game. No, it was Waterford. Yeah, after the goal, after the goal uh, in the Dundalk game, there was a pretty there was a few ropey ones, but generally yeah. his delivery is very good from set pieces. And Romeo's numbers is like as bad as it is he's playing in his general play. Two goals and an assist from three games. So, what can we expect from him when he gets up to speed? Yeah, and listen, Buckley nearly scored in the first half as well. I think. Um, yeah. He he. It was kind of point blank, wasn't it, Sean? And he just 
I guess he just couldn't turn it enough or get it past the keeper. Or get I, it. Yeah, I think it just came out of a wee bit too fast. He just couldn't get a connection on it, just a proper connection anyway, just to turn it into the net. But it was kind of a half chance more than anything else. Um, so have we anything else? Is there anything else to to say on the performance? Um, just there, Connor, um, just on Gibson. Um, like, I know we touched on it where he was, uh, they were doubling up and travelling up on it. On him, but just on the chance there for for Bucky in the first half, uh, it was probably our second best chance of, of that, and it was Gibson. What the, the times when Gibson did get free, he actually he did create things. Now it wasn't very often, like he created that chance for for Gary Buckley in the first half, and even for the goal that we scored, um, it was the one time in the second half that he got a little bit free, and he actually won the corner that created the goal. So although. I suppose he's had set such high standards for himself in the previous games. He didn't have a lot of joy, but anything he'd done, it actually, um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it got us places. So, yeah. um, just to say, I, I, I kind of Conor O'Grady was at the game, um, and I just met him today, and he just said in relation to Gibson, um, he said the pitch was that bad that really, and it was so narrow, he had no space that really there was nothing. It was no fault to Gibson per se, you know. It was just the circumstances that he was faced with, and you know, it just it just was never going to suit him. So, you know, if if you thought oh he was kind of he was kind of quiet and maybe he should we expected a bit more from, him. I think um, the consensus is that well there wasn't a lot that he could do. It just wasn't. Yeah. It but wasn't when he done well. Yeah. What's that, When when he did have it, he done well. Yeah. He made yeah. things happen like when when yeah. he could. The other thing as well, just to say, like, um, and we'll talk about whether or not um, the, the, we'll talk about the, the starting team for the game against uh, Shams, but um, the other thing to say about Kenny is I don't think, you know, he, he's not done anything wrong. He probably didn't get a lot of service just by the nature of the game. Um, you know, I mean, we'll talk about it again in a while, but there's no reason to criticise him or to see him being dropped going into the future. What do you think, Sean? No, definitely not. I think he done everything he could there the other night, but score. I think you have to look at the save Lee Stacey pulls off. Yeah, that's world class. You he's know what I mean? Keeper, isn't he, Stacey? Ah, yes, he's a very good shot stopper. I think the only reason that he doesn't play at a higher level is just fundamentals of the game wouldn't be the best. But he's an excellent shot stopper. I think. I think this year in relation to Kenny and I don't. I think when someone comes out of the team this year, it's not them being dropped per se. It's just a rotation. Really, yeah. like Walter, like Walter the other day, um, Callie coming in. We have the option now to, to for different games to play. always going to be tactical. Yeah, so I think I don't think he's I don't think he he's done anything wrong with his performances, Johnny. But that's not to say like he mightn't start this weekend. But it won't yeah. be because of the way he's performed. It'll be because Liam has a different plan. Uh, have we anything else to say about the game before before we leave Longford alone? No, all done. Let's let's get on to the next game. Yeah, like exactly. it's, it's 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 another rare to go. Yeah, chewing the table. <laughs> okay, so um, as of last week, we had a new sponsor of the podcast. We're delighted to have um, the White Hag Brewing Company to give them their full title uh, on board with us. And um, well, that really means that we're going to we're going to be giving away beer every week in simple terms. Um, this week, we're giving away a case, uh, the first in the country of the White Hag's brand new cult style Keltoy beer. Um, it's a beautiful German style lager, comes in around 4.8%. Uh, 
and um, is one that will be loved by anyone who has tasted the showgrounds beer that the White Hag had pouring in pubs around Sligo in the northwest. Uh, I think that was the year before last. It was a lovely, lovely brew. So to be in, a ch in with a chance of bagging a brew, um, we just want you to take a picture of yourself uh, during the uh, Rovers v Shams game on Saturday. It doesn't have to be a picture of yourself, but just take a picture during the game and post it uh, to Twitter, tagging ourselves the Bitter Red Supporters Trust and also tagging the White Hag. And um, we'll select the winner. Dunner, this incredible um, promotional idea came in from who? Uh, this is the great work of Kiki O'Grady. We'd appreciate the shout out. Our, our, marketing, uh, our marketing team. <laughs> Yeah, and loyal, and loyal listener. And we we mentioned we mentioned your a lot in this part of yeah. <laughs> well, you. Yeah. Yes. We have to reduce on you, know. The core pinners. You're you're cursing in your Grady's show, and that's what we're going to, have to reduce. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to say as well that um, the winner of last week's competition was Pat Dennigan, um, and he answered correctly that Cork City was the club that Gary Buckley played for before he joined Sligo Rovers. Um, so, in simple terms, in order, if you want to be in with a chance to win a case of that beautiful German-style lager that uh, the White Hag have been brewing, all you need to do is take a photograph, your, photograph of yourself, either watching the game or maybe drinking a White Hag or wearing your Rovers jersey or whatever it might be. Uh, post it to uh, Twitter, tag us, tag uh, the White Hag Brewery, and you'll be in with a chance. Get creative. Winning. Get creative, yeah. yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, it means that Kiki can't really win, I suppose. <laughs> so how many he can't handle his drink <laughs> okay so um with um sean you've been busy as well this week you've been on um the between the stripes podcast and there's you know league of ireland podcast popping up all over the place um sean gives uh, uh and a review you reviewed the longford game really but um with uh with the, uh, more and more league of ireland related podcasts coming up uh we came across one during the week and um, it's called Friday I'm in Live, as in L-O-I-V-E. And um, it's hosted by uh, uh, Liam Regan Gimerez and Dale McCarthy. And um, the premise behind the podcast is that Dale is a Londoner, recently moved to, to Ireland, and he's seeking a, a League of Ireland club to support. And uh, Liam is a Shamrock Rover supporter, the two of them work together. And uh, we wanted to get them on to see what, what the podcast is about. It's getting a lot of traction um, over the last number of weeks, and um, it's a good listen. So, uh, obviously, it ties in with the Shamrock Overs game on Saturday. So, we got them on our podcast. So, we're joined uh, by Dale and Liam. Uh, Dale McCarthy, uh, token Englishman, who's <laughs> Friday, I'm in live. And I'd be interested to hear your own pronunciation of the title of your podcast. And also... Uh, Liam Regan Guimare. Did, did, did I nail it? Uh, almost, yeah. Give me a um, I came across um, your podcast Friday. I'm in love. So, how do you, so Liam, tell me, how would you pronounce it? How do you, never mind your second name, how do you pronounce the title of your podcast? Yeah, it, it's kind of like, you know, Bill O'Hurley, the way he would have said, and we're live, you know, right. so that sort of a, a dub live uh, accent, yeah. Right, okay. So, um, well, Dale or Liam, I mean, whichever one of you want to want to give us the the concept about this podcast that that you've um, had on the, the go for the last two weeks, I think at this stage, maybe three weeks. Yeah, and it's been it's been a huge success, I think, um, in League of Ireland terms. You know, it's um it's been quite popular. So, wh wh what what is what is the concept? Well, I'll, I'll jump in with our Liam and do this because you'll do the Rover stuff later. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm. Obviously not a native. Um, I'm from London and massive Arsenal fan and uh, moved over in 2019. And just 
knowing that I'm not going to be able to go home every week for games, uh, I'm looking for a club over here. Um, and I work with Liam and Liam's a, a big Rovers fan. And I, it was a voice note about three weeks ago. I said, what if we like documented me trying to support Shamrock Rovers initially, initially. And then um, that grew into, why don't we document me trying to pick a league of Ireland club? Cause I know nothing about the league very little about the history of the teams, the players, the stadia, the shirts, everything. So just following my journey helped along with Liam about trying to kind of fall in love and get that buzz on a Friday night or at the weekend to go into a game and, and having another team, you know. So far you've had two episodes. So how does it work? Do you pick a club uh, each week to focus on? Um, are, you know, how, how are you going to work your way through the various teams in the league? So we do, we do a, a first impressions thing every week. So Liam will ask me about two or three clubs. Um, oh, what do you know about Bohemians? Or what do you know about Sligo Rovers? Or what do you know, know about Shells? And I will have a kit or a badge or a stadium. Go, well, I think they might be based in Dublin. And I maybe they played in the Europa League 15 years ago because I remember it coming up. Um, so we do we do that as a little section on the pod and and generally it's just about my interaction with fans in the league over the course of the, the week what have I watched um, and any any clubs that I'm I'm developing feelings for like Sligo has come up in in episode three in a positive sense this week because for the fir- for the first time you know I, I got home from dropping my son to crash on Friday and I sent Liam a voice note I was really excited I was like god I I don't know how this has just come over me. I, I hope Sligo and Finn Harps win this week, and I don't know why I feel that way. Um, I think Sligo trying to get at me. What's that, Liam? again? I think he was trying to get at me. Interesting. So, uh, my experience of the podcast has been: uh, I've listened to the first two episodes, and I think within the first ten minutes, sorry, the, within the first five minutes of each episode, Liam has piped up uh, to say that well, nobody really likes Sligo Rovers. So I guess, Liam, like, here's your opportunity to, to explain yourself. An, apo- an apology. <laughs> well, I suppose, like, um, one name springs to mind, Kieran Kelly. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, ne- I'll never forget the, my first FEI Cup uh, final experience. Walking into the new Aviva Stadium, brand new, 36,000 fans. This is a massive spectacle in Irish football. Um just to be stopped by a goalkeeper that stops four penos, you know. <laughs> so uh, it, that's a heartbreaking moment for me. And I, I always come back every time I think it's Ligo, I think of that game. And there's this bubbling, yeah, <laughs> this bubbling <laughs> hatred. Um, but no, deep down, I know Sligo's, it's a great club in, in League of Ireland. And I think, I'm not sure if it was done or is it mentioned uh, on, um, on Twitter uh, when we were interacting, that Sligo is one of the only clubs really that they could rally to the community. Uh, and the whole community as one gets behind the club. And I just, I find that fascinating about the club. Um, you know, it's obviously a bit of tongue-in-cheek that I had to give Sligo a, a, a bit of guff, but um, no, I do admire the club hugely in, in League of Ireland. So, and, uh, Liam, or sorry, Dale, you also have, you've focused on, um, you've got a, I mean, I'm going to call it a feature on the podcast at this stage, uh, Niall Moran Watch. Where does that come from and why the focus on on the talented Sligo Rovers midfielder? So we like, so when I was told my cousin, I'm going to be doing a League of Ireland podcast. I've got family in um, Drumshambo in County Leitrim. And he was like, oh, bloody hell, there's 
there's a Sligo Rovers player from Drumshambo in County Leitrim. His name's Niall Morrow and he's 20 central midfielder. So that's a big thing when you're from a small town like Drumshambo and Leitrim. And it is a small town. Um, a great town, but a small one. He's That makes him a celebrity, right? That makes him big news. So I just said, oh, we'll keep an eye on it. So we've watched him first couple of weeks. We recorded today. I don't think we mentioned him today. Liam did the Sligo game this week. And Liam doesn't like Sligo, so he didn't get a mention this week. <laughs> no more of him. But just, just on a on a broader thing, like for me, everything's about first impressions. And, and Liam will tell you this: they are the, the the football team that I've been most impressed by has been Sligo. And because of that, I've delved a little bit deeper into it. And I just you've got so there's so much to like about the club. I, I I was waxing lyrical in episode two about the young lad up front, Kenny. Yeah, he's a He's a, he's a child, but he looks like a man. Do you know, like when he's got the ball at feet or, or when he's off the ball, he's, he's, he's going to be a disaster for defenders if, he, defenders if he keeps on developing. And obviously the, the obvious ones are Parks and, and Gibson who have just were fantastic a couple of weeks ago um, when you came from behind. So a lot to like, a lot to like. Okay. Um, so what did you know about, did you know anything, Dale, about the League of Ireland before your arrival or what is the is the level of knowledge uh, like around your, your mates and your peers in London? Is it zero or like does Seamus yeah. Coleman and Sligo Rovers, does that link, is that somewhere in the back of people's heads? It's close, it's close to zero. The Seamus Coleman thing comes up, obviously there's big Irish communities in, in London and I'm, you know, my, my parents were Irish so the 60 grand, 60 grand Seamus Coleman song is sung. And then if you ask the question, you'll find out he was bought from the League of Ireland. But it, it doesn't really go back to Sligo. A mate of mine said that to me this week because I was talking to him. He's a Brave fan. And I said, oh, do you know what? I've been watching Sligo. I think they look decent. And he's going, oh, Seamus Coleman, Sligo. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose Everton fans would know uh, and Republic of Ireland fans would know. But for me, I, and I say it in episode one, I know very little about the League of Ireland. I'm, I'm a massive football fan and sometimes I'll, I'll be able to pull one out of my hat and go, oh, didn't they play them in the Europa League or the UEFA Cup 15 years ago? But that's that's yeah. all I've got. Okay, Liam, um, so let's take a little look ahead to um, Saturday afternoon in the showgrounds in Sligo. Um, there's been some significant changes to the midfield uh, with Shamrock Rovers and um, maybe they haven't hit the ground running yet um, at the start of the season. So, what are you anticipating uh, ahead of Saturday? Yeah, like uh, when we lost Greg Bulger, I actually thought it was a massive loss um, and, and obviously a, a huge game for yourselves. So I was worried what we do there, you know, um, without even bringing in the, the two, Jack Bourne and, and McInef, the, those losses. We brought in McCann and he's one of those players. He can just dictate the pace of the game. Um, and, and he showed that against some dog the other night that, it's his game and we're going to play it at his terms. Um, and that's, we're going to probably run through him a lot. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing the battle of who, who dictates the midfield this week. Is it going to be Boulder? Is it going to be McCann? Because they're two top-notch midfielders. Uh, I have to say, I was imp- I've been impressed with McCann. I thought he was a bit of a journeyman and I didn't know how interested he was going to be when he arrived into the League of Ireland. But um, I would agree with you. He's he stamped his authority on the midfield. Um, with Shamrock Rovers, and um, what about um, where your goals are coming from? Are you um, are you happy that you have the Arsenal to to um, convert? To be fair, that's that that is the one area I'm worried about. Um, like Bork 
he's not an out-and-out striker and he was in front of goal a good few times against Dundalk there last week and he really probably should have finished. So I, I would be worried if goals do dry up in midfield, where are they going to come from? Um, but I suppose I could say the same about yourselves with, with losing Coughlin. Um, you know, I'm not too sure. The two teams are, are um, they're solid enough teams, but up front, are they short of goals? Probably for now, yeah. We're not Liam. Too- we're not too sorry, Donna. We're not too just to say we're not too concerned about the loss of Ronan Cockton. Go on, Sean. Sorry, <laughs> Liam. Just in regards to the system, um, will we see a tweak in the system at all now with with Jack Byrne and Aaron McInniff leaving? Are you happy enough that McCann and Mandrew could come in and just replace them? Yeah, like Mandrew, I, I, I didn't know how he'd how he'd start, but um, he, he definitely he started he hit the ground running the other night, um. You know, you lose a player of Jack Bourne's ability and then McAniff's energy. There's going to be changes to the system. Uh, there can't, you can't go on with the same system with two totally different players. But we look to, we, we seem to look to go down the wing a lot more. There's a lot of balls in behind um, and you have Gannon and, and Kavanagh running onto them. So I think we will play a wider game this season um, with the two wingbacks. But um, it's, hard to te- it's hard to tell how McCann and, and Mandrew will sit into the team. Um, and with regards then to Stephen Bradley, would there be any kind of fears in regards to the way he'll operate things from here on in? Because there was concerns over Bradley before he hit that purple patch with, with Byrne and McInniff linking up in the middle and really they were the system for long parts and took an awful lot of pressure off Bradley as such. Yeah, but, um, yeah like, it's, it's like any manager really. Like Pep Guardiola said, Without Messi, he wouldn't have won the Champions League, you know. So a manager is blessed with the players that he has in front of him. But I do think Bradley gets the best out of players when he brings them in. I do think he'll probably do the same job he did with Jack Bourne with Danny Mandrew. You know, I, I think he's great at developing those players that are that are hungry and have that raw talent. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I wouldn't have any any concerns with, with Bradley at all, no. Uh, tell me, just in regards then to the younger lads coming through the likes of Kavanagh and that, will you expect to see much more of them this season? Yeah, like Kavanagh unfortunately had a, a big injury last season, so I'm looking forward to seeing much more of him. Like, um, But uh, I think the, 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 the squad, the, the first 11 is quite settled, um, so we probably won't see a lot of uh, younger players being, being blooded in uh, into the squad this season, I wouldn't say. Well, Dale, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? So what you've seen so far of both teams... What, what... So... Yeah, they're two sides actually that I've probably, I know, I'm pretty naive. I've been watching this league for three weeks and he's seen three weeks, but I've, they're, they're two teams that I've watched a fair bit of. Um, I, I, I think when I've, I've looked at you and your system, I think everything's happening defensively to allow your attacking players to flourish, particularly what your fullbacks are doing and sitting in. And I, I, I think that sometimes your, your low line midfielder, who's Morrohan in that Watford game anyway, they're a bit tentative in going forward. So if they give that space up in the centre of the park, they they could be, in, you know, I, I, Shamrock Rovers, from what I saw against Dundalk the other day, that Mandrew, they, if they if you give them time on the ball, they're going to try and express themselves. But if, if you if you get those fullbacks coming inside, or you get them bombing forward, are you going to lose what the creativity you have on the wings? I think the, it's the, I don't what's the right back at Sligo Rovers? He's really well, allowing... Yeah. He's brilliant because he's allowing Gibson just to do what he wants, express yeah. himself in, you know, and and get balls into the box, nice little touches inside. I fancy Sligo Rovers. 
the Rovers. Um, <laughs> I just think you've got your. T- I think you've got your tails up, and I know that obviously you went into a couple of games and thought you you, you probably went into to last week thinking that you might have a quite a, a more comfortable win, but I think you're just matching up to the opposition you're playing against. Um, and I, yeah, I can see I can see you taking the win this week. I'm not saying that to line you up to wind you up, Liam, but I was. No, I wasn't. That, I wasn't. I wasn't that impressed by by Rovers against Dundalk. I know that it felt like for the first forty five minutes in that game, they were both just trying not to lose it. And I know that happens when you've got teams that come together who are expecting to challenge for the title. They'll. they'll it's like the early rounds of a boxing match where they'll. You know, they're, they're checking the distance. But if you let if you let these uh, Sligo lads, um, if you let Sligo Rovers dictate the play. They can, the ball doesn't get tired. They might run you around the park, you know. Liam, really quickly, um, do you want to try and give us a prediction? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in Dale's, not in his camps as such, but um, I do think Sligo are grinding out results in the sense that they will improve their performances as the season goes on. Longford, the pitch didn't didn't help them. Um, a bigger pitch would have suited their, their style of play. I think it'll be a draw. I'll go for a score draw. Maybe. Oh, fence. Yeah, no, genuinely I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, listen, guys, uh, thanks a million for your time. Um, just quickly, if somebody, if people are trying to find the podcast or if they want to find out more about the podcast, where can they get it? Just give me the name of it again and tell me how they can find it. Go on, Liam. Uh, at Friday Live. So it's L-O-I-V-E. And that's on Instagram um, and Twitter if you want to find us on social media. But uh, Friday, I'm in live is the, uh, the full podcast name. Okay, and it's on all major platforms, I guess. That's, That's the one. Yeah. Okay, listen, guys, thanks a million. Best of luck at the podcast and um, not best of luck uh, at the weekend, Liam. <laughs> Gents, can I just say before we sign off, next season when the grounds are open, I'm going to be trying to do a bit of a tour. So hopefully um, I can meet you up at the showgrounds when I'm making my decisions next season. That's Good 100%. Good all right, lads. All right, Take lads. it easy. So that's Liam and Dale from the Friday I'm in Live podcast, and we recommend you check out their offering. We'll keep things moving along. So next up is our conversation with Alan Cawley, and we started by asking Alan about how difficult it is to keep abreast of all things in a league that maybe doesn't get the coverage it deserves. No, because the one thing you have to be is informed, Connor, and that's the one thing I was from the start, that if I was going to do this, I was going to do it properly, and I treat it like a job. And I'd like to think that comes across I think it does, to be honest, because if I'm looking at fellas on the telly doing something similar and they're waffling, you can see straight through that. So I would always be prepared and, and I go to games. I'm at grounds sometimes two, three games a weekend. Um, going on the show, Soccer Republic, I'd have me notes, homework done, whatever the case may be. We'd be prepped as well in terms of questions and stuff like that or where the conversation might be going. But I'd like to think I'd be well informed no matter what club came up or what discussion or topic came up in the chat. I guess I'm, I'm not kind of, I'm not questioning your your um, professionalism or uh, preparation, but like I guess just sometimes because of the lack of the cover, lack of coverage, and in, like in a way, like all these podcasts are um, on the go, like fan led podcasts, and we just spoke to two lads um, who one's a Shamrock Rovers fan and the other guy is um, uh, he's from London, and they have a podcast about trying to find a League of Ireland club for this lad from London. But there's there's this. Um, you know, gap in, in the market from a content point of view. So my, what I'm trying to say is that maybe there isn't a lot out there about particular clubs or particular players uh, and it's difficult to be abreast and across everything when you're not dealing with the Premier League, like it's not wall-to-wall coverage. 
Yeah, but I think the coverage, to be fair, for, for the league is is has improved greatly over the years. And even all the years I was um and that I'm do, that I've been doing the punditry work, I think the punch is well above its weight in terms of coverage, right across you look at um even the the, the national newspapers on a Friday, there'll be eight page pullouts and all sorts going on. Um, our local regional papers will have great coverage in terms of the champion, the weekend, or whatever the case may be. So I think we do quite well coverage-wise. Sometimes even you use the Monaghan as the example. And sometimes I think we're maybe, if you were aiming this towards a soccer republic type thing, and sometimes that may have ran in for a bit of criticism. What people never realised about soccer republic either, or even myself included when I got involved and, and, and the show, it's very time constraints, Connor. So even though you might look at it and think, okay, Monday, 7 to 8, if you actually break it down, the amount of chat time that goes on between 7 to 8, it's very, very little. And you might, by the time you show highlights and you have adverts and you might be showing teasers for next week, whatever the case may be, by the time you break into all that, that hour, you have very little talk time. So you're trying to get, I suppose, the main points. It's not like, say, a match of the day would have no adverts and the full hour to run through the whole thing. So sometimes it can get a little bit of unfair criticism. Sometimes the criticism is very much justified. I know sometimes maybe clubs down the country, and obviously we're from Sligo, might feel as though you're aiming it towards the Dublin clubs and stuff like that. Um, but people have to remember, and even that was something I had to get used to in terms of the time constraints. There's literally a floor manager right behind the camera wrapping it up, rolling it up, whatever the case may be. And that's the same even with the live matches to go out now. Um, you have to try and get as much in as you can in the time that you have. And, and it is quite limited time at, at, at most of the games or most of the programmes. Callie's call then. How, where did that come about? Um, you're sitting in a chair that a lot of people might be familiar with. Uh, I think that <laughs> yeah, and I didn't rob this off Graham Norton if people are thinking that. But um, they, that came about because, obviously, as I say, I'm doing the punditry the last 70 years now, and I love it. I have a major passion for it. And I was doing... Um, I was actually, when the lockdown kicked down, kick-started last year, I remember going for a walk, but before I left the house, now with technology, and it was on Instagram, I saw Jamie Redknapp doing this Instagram chat with Harry Kane, where you could split the screen, and I thought to myself, this might be something I could do. So, actually, Richie Ryan, who you all know, was the first player I got in touch with. So I said, I'll break it down to League of Ireland lads first, and I did Richie Ryan, Neil Fenn, Derek Pender, there was five it was five the first week anyway. So people seemed to be interested in this. We did it for an hour each night, basically telling stories, having the crack, whatever the case may be, was filling time during the lockdown. But it went from there then into the following week, I upped it a little bit with some international players. Then I used to do a different sports person on a Saturday night, Ken Darty, Andy Lee, uh, whoever the case may be. Then we had the Westlife lad, Shane came on. We had a great chat with Shane, who you all know. Nicky Byrne came on. And it went for about four weeks and it was just, it seemed to be really good. I don't know if people were saying it was good, whatever. And then everybody was like, you should do a podcast. You should do a podcast. But that went from there. People think it's easy to do a podcast. And it probably is in a lot of cases. But I'm the type of person, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. So thankfully, Vincent Nally, again, who you'll all know from Sligo, Benetti Menswear, Vincent got involved. We had a chat. We had a conversation. Vincent was kind enough to sponsor it and bring a serious amount of professionalism to it. And we did the first series it was obviously coinciding with the shortened season last year, but thankfully we decided we'd come back this year and we've just recorded the sixth episode yesterday and it seems to be going quite well, Connor. Yeah, so I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, it's it's um, it's really worth a listen. Um, I, I mean, if people are looking for it, if people are unfamiliar with it, uh, you can get it, I guess, on all major platforms, search for Callie's Call, yeah? 
yeah and we do like I, like I'm um, I'm a stickler as well in terms of a standard like, like I, I'd always like to want to do something to the best of the standards and Stewie who you'll all know and, and you give plenty of stick to obviously works with me closely with um, with the RT stuff and I wanted Stewie to do it with me so Stewie got on board as well and I like to think there's a good dynamic with us we work quite well um, he's a really good fella Tell us a little bit about um, your, I, I mean, I suppose a lot of people will be familiar with the story, um, but um, I suppose you started playing football uh, in the streets of Cranmore. And yeah. You progressed to, uh, you joined the mighty Marvel United. So what, what, what happened after that? I know, I heard an interesting, um, I don't know if it was Nathan Murphy himself, but at the News Talk broadcaster, his father has had a connection to... Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting, it had a connection to your progression. So maybe tell us a little bit about, did, did that happen when you were playing for Merville or was that when you were with Belvedere? That actually happened with Summerhill College, would you believe, Michal. So the Cramore thing, obviously, I, I, I actually miss Cramore now more than anything in the world, would you believe that? I was only thinking about it earlier. When you sent me the email in terms of what we'd be talking about, I have the most amazing memories from Cranmore. And if someone could put me in a time machine and say, look, you know what? We're going to go back 25, 30 years and you can grow up in Cranmore again. I'd be the first person that would go back. It was just the most amazing upbringing. People around us, there was football, wall-to-wall football from the minute you got up to the minute you went to bed. Sometimes I look out at kids now and you just don't see that on the streets. I know it's different times in society we live in nowadays, but the upbringing we had, every street you go into, to be a World Cup final going on in the street and he could just join in in the match. The best of matches, Bob Feeney's green, the, the basketball courts down beside Abbey United's pitch, Joe McDonald drive, all over. Like, there was just games of football going on everywhere. with great players, like, as well. So, like, I often think, like, at the moment, even with the episode we recorded yesterday is largely based around the arguments going on with player development now in football and where are we going as a nation and all this kind of stuff. We honed all our skills on the streets in Cranmore. And people talk nowadays, Connor, about like, say, even for the likes of Sligo Rovers, and obviously Connor now has gone in as the youth development officer or whatever, my best friend. And the biggest problem against young fellas now going in at League of Ireland clubs is the contact time that they get in terms of the training and coaching. And I think compared to like League One, League Two clubs, I was looking at stats the other day where our players over here at under 15, maybe under 17, are getting something like 200, 250 minutes a week. Whereas the equivalent at a League One, League Two club is getting 700, 750 minutes. Like that's, like you, you, you can see the contrast there for yourself. Whereas when we were growing up as kids, I was probably getting a thousand, two thousand minutes of constant football all day, every day. So that, like that was, as much as the Merville thing was great at it was because you go up to Merville then and you're playing with the best of players. It didn't really go down well with Abbey United lads, but, <laughs> um, but I was obviously with Mervyn, loved Mervyn. We had Danny Garvey, who was a brilliant person. Then Frank McGarry was the coach. And we were playing with the best players. But I would like to think a large part of my development or growing up or whatever phrase you want to put on it was all on the streets. Absolutely. I was going to ask, Alan, uh, at some stage, would you, if you had your time over again, would you think you would have be, would have served you better if you were to stay in Ireland and come up through the academies and go over when you were older? But I think you've probably answered that there now. <laughs> yeah, it's something, Shane, like I've no regrets. Like whatever path you take, that, that's the path. And, and, and you make decisions at the time that you think are the best decisions for you or whatever. And to be fair to my mum and dad, we had no one to, to speak to or advise us. 
it's probably a lot different now for young lads that do go away. There's more, there's more kind of, um, there's more information around in terms of young lad, yeah, going away. Whereas we, we were coming from basically Sligo. I remember going on trial with Johnny Davy. You'll all know Johnny as well. And it was a case of all, almost thinking we had this perception, why are we going over here type thing? Almost feeling as if we're not up to this. You, you go over after a day, you're like, we're, you're every bit as good as any of them, you know? Um, so I don't have any regrets about that. That was the path I chose. Leeds United were great to me. Um, Just really quickly, Alan, tell us about, tell us about that, that journey from Summerhill uh, to Leeds United. Yeah, I suppose. And, and, and the Nathan Murphy thing as well, like I, I, Michal deserves a mention because I was playing with Summerhill and we all know Summerhill, we had great football teams and David Pugh was the coach and we had a good team as well. We were playing in Ballyhonis one Wednesday morning. Nobody at the match, only this one person. And this one person happened to be Michal Murphy, who I didn't know was Michal Murphy, but I do know now. So we finished up in the dressing room after the match. I think I played quite well in the game. And as I'm walking out, like he'd, be, he'd probably be arrested for it nowadays when you think back of <laughs> what happened. But he came up to me and there was no mobile phones or there was nothing like that. But he came up to me on the side of the pitch as we're walking out and said, can I get your phone number? And I was kind of like, who are you? And he basically said, I'm Michal Murphy. And you played really well and I'd love to put your name forward or whatever. So I gave him a landline. Who is Michal Murphy? So Michal Murphy just happens to be a man in the Northwest, extremely interested in football and young lads and bringing them forward and giving them opportunities anywhere he sees as though he spots talent. And Nathan, who is, is his son, is, as you said, the broadcaster on News Talk. And it was only a few years after Nathan sent me a message, say, and I didn't realise he was Michal's son. But we've kind of become friends now, Nathan, as well. He's a great lad. But Michal rang me three or four weeks later and said, how you doing? It's Michal Murphy. And can I speak to your dad? Put me on the phone, put dad on the phone, said to dad, look, I saw your son playing four weeks ago and there's a trial for the Irish team down in that loan and I really think he should go. So we had no car at the time. We were trying to get away to that loan. We ended up getting the car and dad drove. It took us about six hours to get that loan. <laughs> but we got there anyway and played the match. And it turned out the match, the manager came up to me afterwards and he said, and it was a trial for Ireland. And he said, look, you, you did really well, but this is actually for a year above. But I'm going to put your name forward to the, to the manager of the age you should be at, which he did. So he gave Vincent Butler my number. Vincent Butler rang me and said, there's a trial in Dublin next week. Come up, went up, and that was, that was it. I played for Ireland then for the next few years or whatever. But the Leeds thing came about then because they were over on a pre-season tour and they were playing against a Mullingar select, Galway and Slide Leitrim. But obviously I was away with the Irish team. And I think it was Frank McGarry and my dad were down at a, a civic reception or whatever they were having after the match and got chatting to the youth development officer, John Bilton, and basically says to him that, look, there's a lad away at the moment on international duty and he's quite good and, and, and maybe he's never had a chance before and, and he's worth looking at. So they says, well, look, if he's with the Irish team, he must be quite good. So I came back home from the international break and my dad says to me, you're going on, on trial at Leeds. And again, my reaction was like, what am I going over there for? But lo and behold, I went over a couple of weeks later with Johnny, who Johnny was a great young player as well. And we went over and after only one day's training, they knocked on the door and says, can I speak to you in the office? And they offered me a three and a half year deal. And that was it. Alan, when you signed for Leeds United, you went into a, a youth side there that's synonymous now with English football, with the talent mm. that came out of it throughout the years. How daunting was it going into that? Or did you just feel, as you said, we were early, that you were just you were comfortable within it and 
Yeah, I was, Sean. Um, when I was going over, I was a little bit because the perception is that everybody seems to think that this, the English thing is they're way better than us and all this kind of stuff. And it's almost like a, a psyche in, in the Irish people. And, and I don't know if it's because of years of oppression and all sorts that we almost feel as though we're kind of not as good as them or whatever. But once I trained once with them, Sean, that was it. I knew straight away. The following day, they asked me to sign. And I felt at home then I was every bit as good as them. And as you say, the crop that were coming through, like when I, the first person out of all that, people might think Woodgate, Harry Kuehl, Steve McPhail, Alan Smith, the best out of them all, and people might not realise this, was Alan Smith. And I don't know if Johnny Davey will remember this, but if you're chatting to Johnny, the first day we trained, Alan Smith blew me away. He was absolutely off the charts. And he was now at the level where I thought, oh, everybody's up here. But everybody isn't as good as Alan Smith. He was just exceptional. But he was almost like, um, it's, it's crazy the way his career transpired because when I went over first and watched him, he was like um, like a number 10, like Burkamp, with silky touches and dropping in and uh, being clever and laying it off two feet, like real, real classy and graceful. A manager then got, came in, I think at the under-19s, called Dave Murrington. And Dave Murrington had brought Shearer through at Southampton. And he basically said to Smith, you need to toughen up if you're going to. You have all the scale, all the talent. But unless you toughen up, you're not going to make it. So Smith went from being a Burkamp type to almost like, like, like we all saw him go around smashing everyone and getting stuck in. Now he could look after himself. But I always felt it took away from his game a little bit. Now he went on to have a great career, but it was an amazing group. Harry Kewell, Woodgate, McPhail, all those boys. But they were great lads as well. It was a great learning thing. Like Magoo asked me there about maybe going over... Would you, would you kind of, would you think about it if it happened now? Sometimes you think, would you go to a lesser club? I was going to a club who, at the time, they bought Rio Ferdinand for 18 million. And 18 million then was like Liverpool buying Van Dyke for 75. Like it was crazy money, but that's the money they were spending. So it was very hard for a young lad to get a chance. Whereas if you were over there now, maybe not now, they're back in the Premier League, but you'd still like to think you'd have a chance because they look at the squad they have. Whereas when we were there, the squad was unbelievable, you know? Yeah, and I seen you having a couple of interactions on Twitter as well with the likes of Darren Huckerby and that, and just with him playing with him in the reserves and that for Leeds. Like, how surreal is that when you're when these top stars in the Premier League are, you know, you're laying balls off for them for <laughs> to slap yeah, them home? Like. Yeah, and Huckerby, like Huckerby, was a funny one because I played a lot in the reserves, and and there would have been a group that was maybe below the level that Leeds went to when they were getting to the Champions League when Baddy came in and Olivia Decor and these type of players and. Smith and Viduka. So there was the likes of Huckerby, David Hopkin, I don't know if you remember him, Alfinger Holland. They were kind of the next level down. So because they weren't getting games in the first team, they were dropping down playing in the reserves a lot with us. Michael Dubry, great lads and great like experience for us. I was only 17, 18 playing with these. Robert Molinar was another one. Um, but Huckerby was the fastest man I've ever seen. Unbelievable finisher as well. The fittest man in the world. He'd come in after training, go straight into the gym. He was mad for boxing. He'd go straight on the bag and he'd box in the way of like ripped, I mean, APAC stuff, like phenomenal fitness. But he wasn't the best in terms of technically, he just had lightning speed. There was a funny one I remember Robert Molinar and I was a kid, right? We played, uh, we played against Oldham in a preseason friendly. And Oldham had John Sheridan. Remember John Sheridan, obviously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was manager of Waterford last year. So John Sheridan was a brilliant player. And I happened to be midfield, Mark and John Sheridan. But didn't Robert Molinar play a ball into me? And I was kind of not happy with the pass. And I turned around. And I was like, fuck off you. Or whatever to him, right? And Robert Molinar now was like Robert Schwartz, like Aaron Schwartz. <laughs> he's a monster. 
And I remember for the next 35 minutes thinking, he is going to rip the head off me when we get in half time. <laughs> so we got in a half time and he literally came straight for me. And I'm looking up at him like this. He just said, if you ever tell me to fuck off again, I will rip your head off. So that was kind of the learning experience in terms of the senior pros. And I don't know if the young lads get that nowadays, Sean. It's different yeah. times now. And I still think there's a balance to be met in terms of how you respect the senior pros and what you learn. And that was my upbringing at Leeds and all. Like I was surrounded by a lot of those senior lads. You'd never disrespect them because you'd basically get a kick up the arse. Alan, just on that as well, uh, just you bring it right back to where you're talking about on the streets of Cranmore and all that. And that we were the street football growing up. You think young lads are missing out on that now because they're missing out on that wee bit of toughness, that wee bit of character development, getting kicked around the street, people telling you to fuck off left, right and centre for hitting a bad ball. That's gone now. They're going into academies and everything is very, very polished and everything is very, you know, oh, make sure you look after him and, you know, don't be too hard on him. You don't want to hurt his feelings. Whereas years ago, that was the last thing on anyone's wing. Yeah, 100%, Sean. You're bang on. And, and that was my upbringing. You go in and it was basically sink or swim in those matches down in the basketball courts or on Bob Feeney's green um, or wherever you wanted to play the matches, no matter who you were playing, what street you were playing against, you'd get kicked up and down. But that's how it toughened you up. And, and you were ready, as you say. Even then, I went to even dressing rooms in the League of Ireland when I came back and, and playing with senior pros and senior lads like Owen Harry, uh, Jim Crawford, Stewie. Like, you, you respected those lads and you knew your place. I don't know if it's the same nowadays. It's absolutely not the same nowadays. And sometimes I think it's gone too far. I know, as again, as I say, there was probably a lot of stuff went on that you may not get away with nowadays, but I still think there's a balance to be met. Like we used to have initiations and if I told you some of the stuff that went on there, it was just incredible. Like, you know... Um, Go on, give, give us one. Don't, don't mention names. Give us one. <laughs> I couldn't tell you that stuff, Connor. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something like the fiddlers over a pint, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was just, but that, that, as you said, Sean, that toughened up. Like I had to mature really quickly. I, I found it really difficult, homesickness at 16, but you soon learn you have to grow up and man up and get on with it and whatever the case may be. And um, I just sometimes think we're gone a little bit too far now. Listen, I, I listened to uh, Eamon Dunphy's The Stand um, for better or worse, but anyway, I do. And uh, he had Giles on as he as is his want. And um, Giles were talking about, um, I guess, the underage system um, that's currently in place um, now with the academies across the League of Ireland clubs. And Giles was saying that um, what was in place with um, the, like the Dublin Schoolboys League was a much better um, preparation for a lad who was going to go into a progressive career. So I was just as someone who, who did play with Belvedere, who, who did experience that um, progression in that manner, I guess the old way, I suppose, at this stage. You know, what are your thoughts on what, what how you did it, and you know, traveling up and down to Belvedere as a, as a, you know, quote unquote, central excellence with what's in place today? Yeah, I listened to that podcast as well, Connor, the one you're talking about, and I turned it off because I love Dunphy. And, and the reason I love him, I know he's, he's controversial and people have their views on him. And I would have disagreed with a million things he said over the years. But he was very good to me in RT and stuff. And we used to have him on a lot on the radio and he was brilliant. And there's a funny story where he brought us out uh, one night for a night out, an absolute classic. And if you think, if you think you're rock and roll, Connor, or you've done it, or you're Magoo, I've been out with rock and roll. And Dumpy <laughs> is rock and roll, let me tell you. <laughs> He's absolutely brilliant company and a brilliant character. But I did listen to that podcast and they're so aloof from what's going on now. And 
that was always the way, as you said, Connor, I was up through the, the Belvedere route, and that was always the way with the schoolboy clubs. The podcast we recorded yesterday that's out at the moment, it's really interesting because we have Alan Caffrey on, who was the head of St. Kevin's Boys, and they would have been renowned as one of the leading schoolboy clubs bringing lads through. Jeff Hendrick, Robbie Brady, Jack Byrne, to name but a few. And all over the years, they brought lads through. Duff would have played their Maybury, all lads. And that was always the route. And it was the norm that people just played their schoolboy football. The scouts come over, have a look at the plane in Fairview Park, in my case, or whatever. And they'd look at you and go, we want to take him over, or whatever. Um, and my team, I had Wes Houlihan and Robbie Martin. Nine, nine out of our 11 went away. Like, it's, it was crazy. And it was, it was the norm then. It's not so much now. It's harder for lads to get away. The introduction to the national underage leagues, I'm all for that, but where it went wrong was the implementation of it, because I think they should have brought the schoolboy clubs on board because they still have a part to play, but they literally just cut them out of the picture altogether and went from a case of all the history and heritage that those clubs have of bringing lads through and being proven to bring lads through, they literally cut them off and gave it over to the League of Ireland clubs, who in a lot of cases, as we know, don't even have underage teams. It became part of the licensing system now that you have to have an underage setup. But where it went wrong with that as well, I feel, is though there's gaps with and it's 13, 15, 17s, 19s. The schoolboy clubs was always 14, 15, 16, 17, because the argument they're making is if you're playing under 13 for Sligo Rovers and then the gap up to the 15s is too big when you're finished with the 13s, where do you go in that gap year? Yeah. So there's a lot of debate, discussion around it. As I said, the pod yesterday was really good. Uh, in terms of getting because Alan Caffrey then went from Kevin's boys across to Bohemians when they amalgamated so he's seen it from both sides and he's very interested on it I do think it's the right road the national underage leagues to get the best players playing against each other and to have feeder clubs for the League of Ireland teams like everything else though in Irish football Connor, it comes back to resources and finances and I know Connor has just been employed there with Sligo Rovers and it's a great addition but he'll tell you himself in terms of getting the lads and the finances and resources to do things or to put plans in place or to do it the way they want to we're a good bit off academy levels in England or anything like that a long way off okay um listen we're we're pushing out here so um a little bit on on rovers um I, I, do you, I think we've said in the podcast over the last number of weeks that we feel that um they're definitely going somewhere now at this stage after years of kind of wilderness and not really you know little cohesion it feels like now the club are going it's going in a particular direction under Buckley and that he's put in a foundation there that he, can, he himself can build on. Is that your feeling? Yeah, this year I'm more optimistic than any other year. And, and you probably know I've been critical of them in the last two or three years. And the main thing I've been critical of is the recruitment. I think the recruitment has been nowhere near good enough for a club of Sligo Rovers pedigree, really, in terms of you look around the, the country, we're every bit as good as any club around the country. Obviously, I've had the top two or three over the last years. And in terms of getting them... European money and all that kind of stuff they've kind of broken away a little bit but I look at the start of the league this year and even last year I was very critical of it and I know it crept into fourth which was great but the reason I was critical Connor, and, and, and I think it's been borne out this year if you look at the players they signed last year Darren Alberkis, Penning Kangas Seymour um, the left full Alex oh what's his surname Cooper. yeah you yeah. look at the players right and to me, they're not Sligo Rovers players. Or they're not players that are going to bridge the gap between Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers or when it was uh, Dundalk and Cork City. And I think a club of Sligo Rovers side should have been signing better players than what they were back then. And that was the main criticism I had. It's no coincidence to me 
that they sign better players this year. So you bring in Greg Bulger, the experience that he has and the mentality that he has as well, and a league winner. You bring in um, Robbie McCourt, who I think is a really good sign and he's done well at left full. Colin Horgan, a little bit under the radar, but a nice, good, steady full back. Um, Figuera, who I think has lots of talent as well. You bring Parks back. He was a great addition when he signed in the first place. So all of a sudden, you have five or six players at a standard where I think Sligo Rovers should be signing. And you look at them now and you think, I looked at it on paper to start the year and thought, now they have a chance of doing something. Now they should be challenging for Europe. Because the reason I was always critical of it last year as well is when you looked at the signings was, if you take Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers and Cork City when they were at the, in their pomp over the last four or five years, you take those three out of it, there's nothing between the rest of the teams. And I look at Sligo Rovers and I, the people were saying we're finishing sixth and seventh and thinking, yeah, that's not bad. It didn't take an awful lot to finish in fourth. It really didn't. It only took maybe two or three good signings. So they've made those signings this year, and I'm really happy that they did. They're much better signings. And I think even listening to Liam, he's slightly different because I look at Liam, and particularly the game against Waterford a couple of weeks ago, they only played okay. We covered it on the telly. But Liam was really, really um, critical of them after the match. And I love to see it because I felt, looking at it, up to now, Liam was always, and he's a really nice man, Liam. Up to then, I was kind of thinking, does he really demand an awful lot from them? After the match against Waterford, they got the victory. They had the good starters. A lot of talk about them. He came out and criticised them. And I thought, now there's demands in place that he wants them to get to a standard because he knows he has the players in place now to actually go and do something. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but with the players that they have there, they should be right in the mix in terms of the top four and absolutely getting Europe again this year and possibly even going to try and win a cup. So they were the reasons that I had 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 the kind of criticism. Sometimes it's hard to criticise your own club. I want to see them doing well uh, no more than anybody. So I'm really happy the signings they made this year. I know Greg, Greg in particular, Greg's a great lad. And not only the ability he brings, it's the mentality. You watch him on the pitch, how much he's pushing them, cajoling them, driving them forward. That's what they've been missing for a long time. You add in the young players, Niall Moore, he will benefit so much playing with Greg. Young Johnny Kenny has been a great addition as well. They'll get so much playing out of the likes of Greg. Gary Buckley's been brilliant, had a great start to the season as well. The young goalkeeper I like, I know he's had a shaky start. So all of a sudden I'm looking at it and thinking, now there's a team to really go and do something. And hopefully that's the case. I guess it's easier for, for Liam Buckley as well to strategically criticise the team after the performance against Waterford and maybe again the performance uh, against Longford when he's going to walk into a dressing room and he's got he's got a Gary Buckley there, he's got a Greg Bulger there who are going to look at him and say absolutely, absolutely that wasn't good enough we've got to be better um, these guys have done it before Absolutely, yeah, brilliant and that's the thing as well because you look at Greg it probably doesn't even take Liam to come in and say that because they're already demanding standards of themselves Whereas, as I say, I was looking at the team last year in games and I just wasn't getting that sense at all. Now, I know it turned out well in the end to finish fourth, but as I said, it didn't take an awful lot to finish fourth in the league last year. And that's why I was so critical because I was looking around at Derry, Pats, Waterford, and I was, I was pulling me here out saying, we don't need an awful lot here to be challenging or to be getting ourselves into Europe. Now, Liam has put those things in place in terms of the players that he brought in. Um, and yeah, they're realistic targets and they should always be the targets for Sligo Rovers. With the club, the resources, the stand in place, the stadium, the work that's going on off the pitch, the community that's behind it and the support to get, the underage structures now that are in place, that these are the things we should be striving for all the time. And, and even though I'm saying Europe, it doesn't even take an awful lot to get us towards Dundalk and Shamrock Road. So I'm looking at Dundalk at the moment and there's major trouble going on there. 
I don't think that's going to end well. Shamrock Rovers are obviously the favourites and they've been doing a lot of good work over the last two or three years. That's the target that, that obviously Sligo Rovers need to be aiming for. But again, as I say, if you finish in Europe again this year, there's more money coming into the club. You might even be able to go out and top up on the squad that you brought in this year and get even a better player in next year. And all of a sudden, you're, you find yourself challenging for, for things regularly. So um, what are your thoughts then on Saturday? What do you think is going to happen if, if Shams have been um, reduced in quality? I actually think it's a good time to play them because you mentioned there that the performances haven't been what you think have been really good. And I agree, the Waterford one was patchy. Longford, I thought, I, I actually felt more, it was a poor game. I've been told since the pitch was really poor and hard and bobbly. I think Longford dragged Sligo down to their level as well and it became a bit of a dogfight. And I was just delighted to see that they got away out of there with the three points because that might turn out to be a tricky place for people to go. And the thing about League of Ireland as well, Connor, is I've, I've learned over the years from playing it and even what, there's no easy games. You rarely go out and roll over a team and come off the pitch and think that was easy. Every game is difficult. Going into the game on Saturday night, I think it's a good time to play Shamrock Rovers because it just tell exactly where Sligo Rovers are. There's been a lot of hype, a lot of optimism around them. Some of it justified, some of it I think maybe overhyping the team a little bit. But I definitely think going into the game on Saturday night that it's a good test to see exactly where Sligo Rovers are. And they're the best team in the country, Shamrock Rovers. They've proved that obviously last year and the last couple of years. Um, and But I do think they're beatable, absolutely. Whereas before, if I thought Shamrock Rovers were coming last year to the showgrounds, I would have thought... And actually, Sligo Rovers gave them a good game to the showgrounds last year. I think it was 3-2. But they've a far better team this year, Sligo Rovers. I actually think they'll take, they could take a point off Shamrock Rovers. And I'd be disappointed, actually, if they don't put up a really good showing and take a point off them, to be honest with you. So Shamrock Rovers will be top of the pile come the end of the season. That's what you're saying, really? Yeah, I think they will, yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I, I said that at the start and I've seen nothing so far to suggest any different. Okay. Uh, well, lads, top three. Yeah. Yeah, Rovers hopefully top, definitely Europe. Definitely, definitely. But I've been saying Europe for the last two or three years and people were coming back at me, but that's, that's, that should be the bare minimum for Sligo Rovers with everything that's in place there now. And they have a far better team this year and I definitely think they should be, they should be achieving Europe. What about your bottom three? So, harder one for you. Well, Longford, it's, it's funny. The ones I tip, they're having great starts. Longford have had a great start. Um, but I do think Longford will be down there. I think Longford are very poor, Shane. Watched the game again last week. You think of them coming up as well. Funny, I met Dara Doyle in the park today and had a chat with him. He's delighted with the start of the pad. But um, I said it to him. I said, I have you down. I have you tipped for relegation. You'll definitely get relegated. <laughs> and he said, keep tipping us. So, um, no, I, I just think if you look at where how they got promoted and the, and the way they come up, they finished fourth in the first division and they only got in by the playoffs in the back door. So it's a big jump. They've done good. He's, he's, he's done a great job, obviously. He has, Shane. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and he's a good fella, Dara. And they're, they're well organised and they're disciplined. Johnny Martin is with him as well, the coach. And Johnny's a good fella. Injuries could kill them, I'd say. Yeah, and squad, they, they lack quality. We've seen that in the game last week. They're young, hungry, fit. They'll be organised. They'll run around. But they lack quality. And that'll come against them over, especially a 36-game season. You'll get away with that for a few weeks. Over the course of a season, they'll be found out. And, and I'm sure Dara's aware of that as well. So he's trying to get as many points on the board. I think they'll be relegated. I think Drogheda will be fine. I tip Finn Harps to be second bottom. But they've had a great start. And to be fair to Ollie, it's probably, probably we're doing them a disservice if you look at just the start. If you look at the form towards the end of last season as well, they had a brilliant finish. 
Um, and he der- deserves a lot of credit, Ollie, to be fair. I know sometimes people have this narrative around him that, oh, he's just a good character or whatever. But I think he's a good manager as well, and he's proven that. And he does his homework, and he goes to matches, and he does his work, so good luck to him. But they were the ones I tipped to go down the chain, so we'll see how it pans out. All right. That's uh, 35 minutes or 40 minutes. Uh, so <laughs> I can talk. <laughs> so um, unless anybody has any any other uh, questions or anything else to add, um, we'll bring it to a conclusion. Alan, thanks a million for your time. Absolute pleasure, lads. Um, Callie's Call is available on all major podcasting platforms, I guess. Um, it is. comes out weekly. And um, it does come out weekly, doesn't it? It does come out weekly, yeah. And the, and the same to you, lads. Keep up the good work. I know you're getting a lot of comments and praise in terms of that. And it's great as well because I know more than anyone what Sligo Rovers means to the, the local people down there. And we all love Sligo Rovers. And hopefully, as I say, the team do the fans and everybody justice this year. But certainly the work that you do. And I know Shane and Jared O'Connor and all the lads and Alan Cairns and the work that they do off the pitch. And it's really, really brilliant, especially last year with the fundraising. So good luck to you and keep up the good work as well. Okay, listen, Alan, thanks a million for your time. Cheers, lads. That's Alan Cawley. Um, great to have him on the podcast. And he's always good value, isn't he, Nigel? I like listening to him, in fairness. So uh, the big one um, this Saturday. Um, so if we go from, uh, Donner, if we go from a, uh, if you look at the team that started in Longford, um, are you anticipating that um, Will Figueroa back in the number 10 position? Or, um, or do you think he'd be looking to firm up that midfield, a bit like he did against Longford again? I'd be more inclined to think that Walter will come back into the side. I think he'll be going along the same lines of approach that he'd done for Dundalk. I don't think he'd be overly fearful of Shams. I think we offer our own threats this season. I think Shams have to think about us as well. Um, I think Walter will give us just that little bit more technical ability because I don't think it's going to be a, a blood and guts kind of affair. I think it's going to be a very technical match. Um, I think tactically it will be it will be one and lost for, for both managers, but um, I think team selection is going back to that. I think Walter does come back in and everything else stays the same around it, but uh, it's, going to, yeah, it's going to be a very tight game. Um, Shane, so what about the front three? Uh, we have we have the same that um, the same thing that we've we've had from we've seen from I the start think, of the season. Um, and I don't it, like it's hard to know. As I was saying already, like I don't think with team selection this year, it's I think it'll be varied from game to game. I think there's an argument to be made really for any team this week. Like you could you could turn and make an argument for Cauley starting to mm-hmm. short things up in midfield and and win that battle. But there's also an argument for obviously for Walter coming back in. And then I've seen other people say they think Kenny should sit out this game because it's Shams and that. But like, I think him playing on the shoulder with is is that will offer us a big threat and, and it'll, yeah. it'll it'll make them wary of not pushing up. I think what I'd love to see, um, I'd like to see Walter come back in, but I'd like to see him play on the right and stick Gibson into number ten. I think they're going to have. They'll expect to have, and I think we'll be we'd be quite happy for them to have more of the ball. So let them push up and let Gibson get the ball in behind when the ball breaks in behind their midfield, because as much as people want about McCann and stuff, they don't have the legs. And and Gibson is so he's so threatening and so 
dangerous when he gets the ball at his feet, wanting to run at people, wanting to commit people. I think if he gets the ball in behind their midfields, and you have the likes, if Kenny is playing, he's on the shoulder of the last man, then that gives their back four big problems to think about. Do I come in, out and engage with this fella and leave Kenny open for the ball in behind, or do I let him run at me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they're good, they're good players, they're good defenders. Maybe the first five or six times that happens, they will win the ball back or they'll catch Johnny offside or whatever. It only takes one or two times for it to happen when we know they have the quality. Gibson has this, Kenny has this. Even for, if sticking Figueroa out the right too, he will he's honest and he'll do the work for you and he'll hold on to the ball. And I I think that'll just throw a spanner in for Shan's works there anyway. McGoo, would it be interesting to see does Bradley have the confidence to to bring the high line to the showgrounds? Um, on Saturday you know yeah, they, play, they played with a high line last year but with our pace we could absolutely destroy them in behind yeah but I see that's why I think that's why we Liam might be happy enough for us to sit a bit deeper and let them have the ball and let them get comfortable and let them and then we exploit it on the, on the break I think that's where we could really be dangerous is on the break so um, are we looking at um a kind of similar setup to two years ago when we had Romeo to really stretch the game, uh, sit in and, and look for out balls down the channels for Romeo to get onto. Yeah, I think so. Um, Sorry, Jerry, that was, that was aimed at you. Yeah, I was looking at you. But yeah, I think so, Connor. Um, like I think like what the lads were saying there, you know, you know, let them have the ball, let them come at us. And then let's just hit them on the break. We've pace and power to beat the band throughout the team. It's probably our strongest attribute uh, is that pace and power. And uh, look, let them fiddle around with it at the back with the three at the back and their wing backs and all that. And once they come over the halfway line, then hit them and get the ball down the channels. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, yeah, I, I think the back is going to, is going to, I suppose, mitigate a different uh, style of play. And I think we can do that this season. Sorry, Connor. I think three at the back. Sorry, just it's it's letting them have the ball this year is is a total contrast to letting them have the ball last year and sit off them a bit with Jack Byrne and McInef and all. It's it's a different kettle of fish this year. Like I think yeah. it can be contained maybe a bit easier. Yeah, you don't have Byrne just going back collecting the ball often uh, this year. You know, we have anybody. Well, obviously, the good players you don't want to give them too much time and space yeah. in the ball, but yeah. within reason, like. But there, I suppose it's about picking the right time to. To, yeah. to engage with them, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just a quick mention, um, and I wanted to do this in previous episodes, but uh, went out of my head. Um, the Sligo Rovers Dublin Supporters Club, uh, every week, um, well, every game week anyway, uh, sell golden goals. And um, um, just because you're not in Dublin doesn't mean you can't uh, get your hands on some of the golden goals. So you get them on Twitter. Um, you get Gary on Twitter, SRFC underscore... DSC um, the day before the game. So on Friday, you'll probably get them selling uh, the golden goals and um, you can send them a message there. And there are there's six, a five euro for three, I think. Um, you get five euro for three golden gold tickets. And um, he's got a regular, he's got a regular um, set of customers that I'm sure he's interested in, in selling um, to more, to a wider audience. So I was just thinking there as well, Sean, that um, the, the back three, if Shams do go to back three, and there is opportunities there for for Jordan to um, to try and capitalise in if there, there's space there. Um, Dundalk came at us with a back three, and it suited, he had acres of space to work in. So um, there's there's a big potential there for him. 
Yeah, I think it's good. You'll see a different Jordan Gibson this week, I think, um, as we've already alluded to earlier on about the the lack of space he had against Longford. I think that'll be a different thing altogether if he is playing out in the right, because what Magoo was saying about him coming in as the number 10 is an interesting, it's an interesting prospect, and I think it's something I actually wouldn't mind seeing myself. But uh, I think even for Romeo on the left as well, we could we could cause him so many issues coming down in those channels. And I think with Johnny Kenny... Uh, turning off the shoulder as well I think that's going to be a major problem for whichever the centre half he comes into contact with I'd be more inclined to put him on scales uh, if scales is starting I know Alan made a comment as well if you know he could maybe if Lee Grace is playing that maybe that's the one to go for but I think he has his pick there um, it'll be an inter- it's going to be interesting to see what way it, fall- it unfolds on Saturday but uh, I'd be I'd be very confident going into this, to be honest. I was just going to say, last year, like we, especially the two away games, we were going there. Um, I don't like obviously as supporters, we're confident. You know, you're always, or sorry, not confident, but optimistic. But I think mm. the team themselves probably didn't feel confident or probably didn't feel confident or uh, going up to Shams that they could to get a result. I think it's different this year. I think they feel they can go toe to toe with Shams this year and. I think you can t- you can feel that with the, even the total lockdown this week and the total everything in camp, they're they're ready for a big one this weekend. Like, yeah, I think it's really exciting yeah. uh, um, being able to talk about different formations and different players coming in and out. Like we haven't had that for a while, and like you can see it on say WhatsApp groups that we're you know involved in together or separately, and you can see it on the unofficial forum and the, the sites. You know that everybody's got an opinion. Nobody's opinion is wrong. Everybody's excited, and that's exactly what we want. That's all part of the game, and you know, it's isn't it fantastic this season that we we have that to, to talk about and and interact, especially during the lockdown. Um, I know it kind of keeps me ticking over, and oh, what team are we going to pick? Or what formation we're going to be? And everybody's the same. It's it's brilliant, like. Good. Well, forward to. When's the last time you've heard of Rovers having to organise a friendly during the week to get the uh, get players' minutes coming into a into a fixture at the weekend? Like yeah. that's you know that just goes to show you the depth that's within the squad now. The players aren't getting the minutes required, so that they have to keep up, the, you know, keep up the minutes they need by organising friendlies. Yeah. It's great to see the club doing shows, that as well. It shows it shows the importance of putting on this game too. They know it's a big one. Yeah, they know, they know they can. They can take something off and put a put a lot of statement. Yeah, that was uh, just if people weren't aware. I think that was a, a friendly that was in the Shogun's um, on Tuesday evening against, or maybe Monday. I'm not sure, but it was against Finns Harps and Finns Harps. Monday, I think yeah. uh, Rovers um, Rovers won the game. Uh, I don't know who scored. I don't know. Walter got two and Walter got two and Ryan got one. Yeah, which is which is really important because they didn't put out a half hour side as well. They had a couple of. Oh, yeah, they had a couple of lads that were in now the first team as well playing. So it would have been a the likes of Blaney got a got a run out and stuff. Like yes, they've fallen and always playing. So it was on Monday inside. evening, lads. It was on Monday evening. So I was saying we we won the we won the game and we won the car. The other thing just to just to reiterate is um um we'll see you again after the game on, on YouTube, Sean. Um where can people get it? Or you know what's going to happen? What's the about the post game show? I guess is that what it is. Uh, the post game uh, live reaction show after on YouTube after match reaction. Um, it's on the YouTube channel. It's the 
bit of red trust. Just type it into YouTube and you get us there. Um, we'll this, be there from. These will be alternating between uh, O'Neill's and um, Moody's <laughs> when lockdown's over. Yeah, yeah. The same as yeah. yeah. <laughs> These could get very messy now when we go back into grounds. It might not be suitable at all, but sure, luck we'll go from there. But just to thank no. everyone last week that did join us because it was great crack and the viewers were much higher than we expected. And uh, the massive, comments, massive numbers. Yeah, I don't know. In fairness, it's done well for what we we were expecting, maybe two or three, you know, maybe me outfit if I can tune in <laughs> or something like that. But uh, no, it was good, and the comments were excellent. You know, there was great crack going on in the comments. Everyone and what I what I found interesting was actually people were interacting with each other in the comments, going over and back. So it was getting a bit of crack going, a bit of banter. It was it was good, and it was enjoyable. That's what it's all about. So when the lockdown's over, all the viewers will be in the pub with us, so it'll be grand. Yeah. That's it. They can roll abuse at us as well. Then we'll do a live. We'll do a live. We'll do a live show from the from the pub. Absolutely. That's the you know sponsored by the White Hag Brewing Company. You know, I mean, this is all this is all going to align perfectly for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, we're, if we're not the most popular pod in the country by the end of this, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the game is on uh, Saturday at six o'clock. Um, they played a game less than us. Is, will that stand to them, or is that something, McGrew, do you think that um, we'll go against them at this stage, early in the season? I don't think it'll really make a difference. I think if anything, at this stage of the season, they want to be playing games. They want to get up to like, nobody's, nobody's going to be up to full. Yeah, Jerry, you're right. Technically, yeah. they've played the same. Oh, because of the President's Cup? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and nobody, nobody's, nobody's up to full speed anyway until five or six games in. So they want, they want to be playing games, really. They probably thought, as Jerry said, with the President's Cup, that they were getting an advantage over everybody else. Yeah. Having a, a competitive game before anyone. So it's, I don't think it's going to make any difference. Yeah. And I guess, you know, we got to see them before anybody else in the President's Cup. And I don't think they've done, they've, they've kind of looked very similar in all in, in uh, the three games, including the President's Cup. I don't think... Um, I kind of feel, and I, you know, this will probably be shoved down my throat uh, come uh, Saturday evening, but I kind of feel that um, they haven't, they've looked very similar in all the games that they've played so far. And um, I mean, maybe you could say the same about us, but I guess that's kind of going to give us a little bit of confidence. Connor, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's it's a fair comment. You know, they, they haven't pulled up any trees, neither have we, but we've come out with our fair share of points. I think if you look at their game against Dundalk, they were helped massively by an atrocious performance from the goalkeeper. So I, I think, think that benefited did, them an awful lot. I think McGill made a great point there. Um, I think it was yourself during the week. Um, just that like we've come up quite a bit and they've come down a bit. Yeah. yeah. So the gap isn't as big and you know no. like saying 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 we've both played the same you know, they haven't pulled up any trees and we haven't pulled up any trees, but we're we're both we're we're starting from two completely different levels, yeah. like yeah, yeah. yeah. I just going back compare the unbeaten team, whereas we're only building like so yeah. I, I just go back to what we what we spoke about with them um, when we were chatting to Alan, like you know, like last season it's hard it was it's much harder for um for the manager to criticize the team and say you've got to give better when maybe they've just given their best, like you know, but you know. We know now that Greg Bulger, Gary Buckley, um, Romeo, that there's there's a standard there and we, we still have we've further to go. We, we've st- we've, we've got, we, there's, there's much, we, can, we can be much better. So, you know, that's, that's also going to give us hope. So 
before we, we wrap things up, Jerry, what, what are you going to say is going to happen? Uh, predictions. Yeah. Um, oh, God. I think we might win 2 1. Um, and I think could see Romeo and Gibson score for us. Okay. I think we go up 1 0, go back 1 all, and then win a 2 1 late enough in the game. Uh, yeah, ninety fourth minute. Go on, Magoo. What are your predictions? <laughs> um, what am I predicting? Um, I was thinking about this during the week, and like I really feel confident, and I don't know why I do. Like obviously, you know, obviously if you're going to be, if you're going to put, put me life savings on it, like you wouldn't put a bet against chance. But I have no life savings, so I don't care. <laughs> so, um, like every, every team, every team has a has their own little journey that to go on every successful team so like and you have you know there's always a defining moment at the start of it where things change and it sets you on the road to success but you don't know that's the defining moment until you have your success yeah and then you look back and go oh yeah like like for Cookie's team say it was the it was the Fingal Cup final and then yeah. like everybody points out after we lost that there was no way we were losing another one yeah but that you didn't the know that until the one in the, yeah you didn't know that until the one won but along the way Along the way, there's always a statement of victory where everybody knows. So you get a victory and everybody sits up and takes notice. The media, the, the everyone else around the country sits up and takes notice. And and the players themselves then within the club look at it and go, you know what, we can actually do this. We, and I'm all over us for this be our statement of victory. Who nil us? It's go time. Oh, Magoo, I'm, I'm, I'm in tears. I'm starting to cry. <laughs> Oh my god. Well fuck Al Pacino on any given Sunday. Magoo has just stole the show. I don't know how you're gonna come after that. If Liam Buckley's listening, there's your there's your team talk. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be yeah, this is the dressing room before kickoff. Donner, I don't know what you can say after that, but give us your Bye. Yeah, maybe we'll leave it like that. So just to say before we go, um, thanks a million to our sponsors, the White Hat Brewing Company. Um, just to remind you that uh, if you want to be in a chance to win their uh, new amazing ale, their new German style lager, um, that's called uh, Keltoy, that's K-E-L-T-O-I. If you want to get your hands on the very first crate they're going to produce, um, all you need to do is take a photograph of yourself during the uh, Rovers Shamrock game on Saturday. Um, and as uh, Donner says, you can get creative there. Uh, tag us, uh, tag the White Hag, and um, we'll announce a winner around um, Monday or so. We'll be in touch with somebody around Monday. Um, so um, what else have we got to say? Um, just final reminder that um, the lads can be viewed and you can catch up and get the aftermatch, aftermatch reaction on YouTube on the Bitter Red Supporters Trust uh, YouTube channel. You can get your shouts from the shed in, shouts from the shed end in um, via email, uh, record a voice note, state your name, give your thoughts on the game, about 30 seconds is loads, and send it in to podcast at borst.ie. And on that note, um, are we? Are, have we got anything else to say? Or are we going to say goodbye? I think that's it, isn't it? I think that's it. I mean... Magoo, I just, I think, I think you've kind of, on the back of that, you've reached the pinnacle. And, um, I, just, I set myself up for an awful fall. They'll <laughs> be playing this uh, Magoo on uh, Sham's podcast next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really fucking joke off. 
Look, really looking forward to the game and just can't wait for it now, you know. Yeah, um, and the other thing is like the, the greatest shame is that there'll be bloody nobody there, like you know, that's yeah. the bloody that's yeah. the Could you imagine showgrounds would be absolutely waged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but, listen, we won't we won't we won't dwell on the negative. Um Donner, thanks a million. Thanks a million, Connor. Thanks, lads. Magoo, we'll chat to you. Um we'll see you on um, on Saturday at some stage after the game. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Um, Jerry, thank you. Thanks a million, Connor. Okay, that's a wrap. In the title race, we will never forget this day.